When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the British Royal Fanatic Podcast. I'm Hayden, your American friend with a passion for British Royal history. Hi! (laughs) It's been an accidental two weeks. That's completely on my bad. A little context. I'm still in this weird purgatory training part of the new job that I started. I'm the assistant manager at a casino hotel resort, and the home shift that I'll be working is primarily second shift into overnight. And I had about two weeks worth of overnight shift straight training, and it completely threw off the whole podcasting schedule, my sleep schedule, and at that point, I was just trying to survive. So that's why those that follow on the official podcast social media saw that I kind of got a little quiet. There wasn't any uploads yet because I was <laughs> that just trying to survive. But we're back now. Things are beginning to even out on that front. And we have some pretty exciting content planned for March and getting into April. So just in general, get excited. But I do want to say thank you to those who did reach out on social media, just wondering what happened, what's going on. Uh, all of you, thank you for your kind words and also understanding. But yeah, I had a whole bunch of overnight work that almost killed me at times. It was a little bit much, but you know what? We've got through it and we're back to the podcast. Last time we did meet, we completely dissected the settlement with Prince Andrew's trial. And of course, the world has moved on and other larger world events are currently happening, which if any developments have happened with that, they've been completely buried. But that was last we met and discussed. We broke down what it meant, what the terms that we do know, and all that. So if you want to hear that in complete detail, just listen to the previous episode. But a lot has happened since we last met, especially when it comes to the world. Um, But a few episodes that are going to be coming down the pipeline (laughs) now that we'll begin to dedicate time to them. Um, Something about royal finances, why people don't really like Charles, the idea of Charles being king, why do we keep pitting royal women against one another in the media. So we have some larger episodes that I'm still researching that will be this sort of really deep dive into some pretty big issues that currently face the monarchy, some that they will face in the future, and also something that's pretty much been happening since a lot of us can remember this pitting of royal women against each other. But we're back, we're here, we're continuing on. One thing in closing about Prince Andrew and his whole scandal is I've seen a few fluff pieces from not the most reputable news sources, but they have said that their royal highnesses Princess Beatrice and Princess Eugenie will slowly be phased out of royal events purely based off of their affiliation with, you know, their father, the Duke of York. And my opinion there is I don't think that's fair. 
as far as I know, in my knowledge, they weren't involved in that whole affair, and we will never know if they truly were because the settlement, and we're just going to keep losing information from that. But there are some of the more favorite of royals that are non-working royals, that don't work for the firm, that don't work in any official capacity. They do appear at official events, such as Trooping the Color. They do appear at some of the Buckingham Palace garden parties that were happening before the pandemic that date all the way back to Queen Victoria's time. So they've been this sort of integral part of this other side of the monarchy, these non-working princesses. And as far as I've, I'm concerned, a lot of people love them. They're pretty they're pretty favored here in America. They're, they got pretty decent approval ratings over in the UK. So them being phased out is something that I don't necessarily understand. But again, it's from not the most reputable news sources. So if you have seen that floating around, just take that with a little bit of uh, tongue-in-cheek there. A lot of things have been happening in the world recently in the past, especially with this high, the, the accidental hiatus that the podcast has taken. And that is, of course, the situation currently going on in the Ukraine with Russia and the entire world is on pins and needles right now about what's going on. In turn, a lot of royal news and the gossip column side of royal work has in some cases been put on hold, fallen by the wayside, or just isn't getting a lot of attention because there's a lot of... There's more pressing issues to be covering, especially worldwide in the Ukraine. The royal family has issued a myriad of statements, whether directly or indirectly, from all their social media accounts. We do have an official one from their royal highnesses, the Prince of Wales and the Duchess of Cornwall, their royal highnesses, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, and the Duke and Duchess of Sussex have put out official statements on the official royal family Twitter that is, you know, supposed to be Her Majesty's social media. I haven't directly seen a statement about the Ukraine, but there have been a lot of indirect of going here, doing this, supporting that. So in general, the main members of the firm and also Prince Harry and Meghan have made statements in support of the Ukraine, and they've all said similar things where we need to direct attention, our thoughts and prayers, general sentiments like that. And here at the podcast, of course, our thoughts and prayers are with the Ukraine right now. It is incredibly serious. It is incredibly scary. And, you know, we stand with people in the Ukraine here on the podcast, if anybody was wondering at all. But in terms of big news, what's been happening in the royal family, as today is more of like an update sort of speculation episode, um, a lot of the gossiping has stopped in terms of major stories. There's just, I hope I'm making sense there. One thing to point out is that Prince Harry and Meghan received, again, a lot of negative press attention with their statement in support of the Ukraine and how they handled their official statement on social media. In my opinion, I find it a little weird that both Prince William and Catherine made a statement and then Prince Harry and Meghan made a statement. Dates conflicting, who knows, but there's just a disparity in treatment that if you want to see a more deep dive analysis on it, I would highly recommend going over to uh, Mata Effect on TikTok and Twitter. She really dissected it, and she at least does a, not a pretty good job, a very good job 
of pointing out this disparity in their treatment in the media, there being Prince Harry and Meghan versus Prince William and Catherine. Now, if you want to see a more deep dive in that, I would highly recommend going over and checking out her social media as she does so in terms of just trying to make sense of why they get more negative press than uh, all the other royals. But I digress on that. As I've hinted to a little bit today, today is more of a royal catch-up news, but also some other announcements coming up at the end of the month. Those of you that enjoy royal content and royal television, the show Bridgerton is having season two be released on the 25th of March. And you can bet we're going to talk about it. We're going to review. And in fact, next week, get excited. We're going to be talking about season one of Bridgerton. So it's royal adjacent content, but it is something that is at the forefront of media right now. So get excited. If you have seen Bridgerton, we're going to get excited for season two. If you haven't seen Bridgerton yet, you have time to at least catch up with season one so you can partake in the discussion next week. But that is something coming down the pipeline immediately. And also, here's an opinion poll time. I have been contemplating about starting a blog-type format for the podcast, an official website and blog, to put out content in between episodes, to have some more long-form content, to get ready for video content sometime this summer. Again, the timeline, I keep promising and under-delivering. I know, that's my own fault. But let me know, having a a blog, getting a blog forum, that type of long-form content started, would this be something that you would like so that you can interact with me, see a little bit longer content in between episodes? Let me know. I would really like to know what your thoughts are and if this is something that you, as an audience, would really like to partake in. But... What has been going on today? So we're going to be covering four major topics and stories today. One's really small. The other three are pretty big. So buckle in and get ready. So as all of you have known, the queen has officially recovered from COVID. She did have COVID right at the start of this accidental hiatus. And of course, all of us were on pins and needles because of her age, but she was triple vaccinated. So at least, you know, the symptoms were mild and, you know, she could at least have the best medical attention there. But she did get COVID and she has officially recovered. She has begun... Uh, partaking in official engagements again, both virtual and in person. She just recently saw the Prime Minister to Canada, Justin Trudeau. All that fun stuff there. There have been more announcements about the Jubilee and the official Jubilee tour that is taking place. Of course, Her Majesty is not actively leaving the country for the Jubilee. Instead, the other active members of the firm are going to be traveling on her behalf. That is Prince Charles and Camilla, Uh, Prince William and Catherine, their royal highnesses, the Earl and Countess of Wessex, Prince Edward and Sophie, and her royal highness, the Princess Royal, Princess Anne. They are all going to respective areas of the Commonwealth so that during this Jubilee celebration, all parts of the Commonwealth will be able to partake in some way, shape, or form. One thing to note that is a little interesting is that Prince Charles and Camilla are actually not leaving the UK. They're staying incredibly close where... Uh, William and Catherine, Edward and Sophie, and Anne are all going to the farther parts of the Commonwealth for this Commonwealth tour. So just something to note. Again, everything is very calculated and planned for uh, big events such as this. So just one thing to pay attention to. The next big story 
which those of you that know royal history aren't too surprised in my opinion but i understand why it's a big deal a few days ago it was formally announced that her majesty the queen is staying in windsor castle windsor castle is her new home and her official residence she's not going back to buckingham palace and those of us that know the history and context of everything going on with the royal palaces are not surprised buckingham palace is currently undergoing an incredibly large renovation yes some of the staterooms are available to be toured again but the larger parts especially the private areas the apartments such as you know the queen's apartments the other um, actual accommodations within buckingham palace i believe also the east wing completely taken apart they're doing electrical work plumbing work roof work it's a lot of serious structural stuff that they're doing it's not cosmetic but the queen had to leave buckingham palace just before the pandemic and she went to windsor castle and it was impeccable timing she left to go to windsor and she's been at windsor ever since she was joined by prince philip for a short period of time there at windsor castle and Knowing your royal history will also reinforce that this isn't much of a surprise. The queen has had deep, deep admiration and love for Windsor Castle pretty much ever since she was born. When her parents were Duke and Duchess of York and uh, King George V and Queen Mary were still on the throne, they lived at the Royal Lodge on the Windsor Castle estate, which is now occupied by uh, the Duke and Duchess of York. They've had it for quite some time. Uh, Royal Lodge was where uh, little Princess Elizabeth spent a lot of time in her youth, um, and during the war, she spent most of her time at Windsor Castle, and Windsor Castle, when her father was alive, when she was just a princess, was this wonderful family retreat. It was somewhere where she truly, really loved. She could unplug, and it it holds a lot of very happy memories for her um, in Windsor Castle, especially all the time that she spent there during the war. When she assumed the throne as queen and, you know, moved into Buckingham Palace, which is the monarch's official residence, she still found time to go to Windsor Castle. In fact, her main schedule was spending, you know, four days a week at Buckingham Palace, three days at Windsor. There was her weekend or weekend away. And it's no surprise that now that she's been uh, moved out of Buckingham Palace for a few years now that she would eventually just, okay, I'm going to stay at Windsor now. She's loved Windsor in many books. The Little Princesses by Marion Crawford, the very comprehensive biography by uh, Sally Bedell Smith go at length about the Queen's love for Windsor Castle. So this move in all honesty, is not too shocking. Of course, we don't officially know when the renovations to Buckingham Palace will be done. It is forecasted to be done sometime around 2027, and at that and at that time, the Queen would be around 101. So it makes sense in her age that she's going to stay put. It makes sense for her preferences that she's going to stay put. This announcement, while a big deal, is something that didn't come across as too much of a shocker because of how much the Queen loves Windsor Castle. A few things to remember, though. Buckingham Palace is still considered the official residence of the monarch and the official home of the British monarchy. It's just that right now, and until further notice, the Queen has decided to make Windsor Castle her official residence. 
I've seen in discussions from royal commentators when articles have been posted on social media that Charles has every intent after this renovation and when he assumes the throne to go back to Buckingham Palace. But also, Charles doesn't want to go back to Buckingham Palace. He wants to move the center to Windsor Castle. So there's a lot up in the air in terms of what things will look like when Charles assumes the throne. But until further notice, and right now, the center is still uh, the center is still Buckingham Palace. Just the Queen's, for her, her home is now Windsor Castle. The third story, which is actually a pretty big deal, broke uh, Friday of last week, so a few days ago. A portrait of Diana, Princess of Wales, when she was Her Royal Highness, the Princess of Wales, has resurfaced after being unseen for over 30 years. This portrait was taken in 1988 and was supposed to be part of the National Portrait Gallery, but stayed hidden until now. This new portrait is a part of a new collection at Kensington Palace about royal photography called A Life Through a Royal Lens. This new exhibition showcases the relationship between photographs slash photographers and the royal family. So there's going to be a mix of official portraits, pictures from tours and official engagements, but also the other side of the coin, these private intimate moments where photographers have been allowed in and took some uh, took some photographs. There's also going to be some photographs taken by members of the royal family, you know, and to see can this other side where their creativity, what they got to see and what they did. So it's a wonderful way to try to see behind the curtain, so to speak, and also to to understand this relationship between photographer and royal family. Um there was already a lot of talk in 2021 and trying to understand the relationship with the media slash the press with the royals. Now we're understanding photography with the royal family. But about this specific portrait, which as an aside, is very beautiful. It's a profile shot of Princess Diana looking off to her... It's the right side of her face, and she's looking off into the distance. It's a complete uh, side profile. She has on uh, pearl drop earrings that Catherine has worn a few times, and it has quintessential 80s Diana hair, and it's in black and white with a bright white background, so you can really see all the details of her. And this was taken by fashion photographer David Bailey in 1988. Princess Diana selected him herself because of his use of high contrast lighting. So these contrasts, so you can really see all these details. Bailey was also commissioned to photograph the Beatles, Twiggy, and many more A-list celebrities. So this fashion photographer is a big deal. And as an aside, I really like his work. And this portrait of Princess Diana is nothing short of beautiful. This portrait was originally commissioned for the National Portrait Gallery, but it remained in Bailey's private archives until now. And I haven't necessarily figured out the reason as to why it's being released now and made available for public view. That The why I haven't been able to find, but the Royal Collection and Historic Royal Palaces now has this portrait in their possession, and it's on display now. One of the things about it is it shows Princess Diana in a completely different light, in a completely different context. This is very much 
similar to the portraits that the Duchess of Cambridge did for her 40th birthday, where there's subtle homages to Royal's past, especially in the first one where she's in this three-quarter view, and it's in black and white, where it's homages to other Royal's past. This photograph, you can see homages to other Royal's past. You can see where she's trying to rebrand herself in a way to be able to stand among the great women of the British royal family. It's such a wonderful contrast to what we had seen prior in official photographs of hers. It's a very obvious rebranding, trying to be taken a little bit more seriously. It's this, you know, she's the Princess of Wales. She's granted at the time she was to be queen and so now it's you can see where she's taking herself a little bit more seriously in this photograph it's a very very beautiful portrait that i'm really happy is being featured in this showcase of royal photography at kensington palace I don't know necessarily how long it's going to be going for, but if any of the listeners over in the UK do get a chance to see this, I would love to hear your thoughts on the exhibit as a whole. Our last story, which is something of a bigger discussion that I would like to have with all of you, is is this. Here's, here's the question. Are Prince Harry and Meghan planning on returning to royal work anytime soon? So think about that statement for a minute. There have been a lot of fluff pieces come out, and no reputable news source has accepted this story, but it's beginning to make the rounds that Prince Harry and Meghan are considering part-time royal work in the near future, especially once the Queen passes away and Charles assumes the throne. Where did this idea come from? As I said, no major news outlets have really ran with it. Um, It's a lot of fluff tabloid or other gossip magazines but actual concrete reputable news sources i haven't been able to find them reporting on it so again take this with a grain of salt but where did this comment come from this comment came from the podcast to die for daily where royal author tom quinn suggested that the duke and duchess of sussex might one day return as part-time royals Um, Quinn said, quote, Meghan and Harry believe that when the elder royals die, in other words, when Queen Elizabeth dies, they may well be able, when Charles is king, to come back and be part-time royals that they really wanted to be. So we have a royal podcaster saying this, just pontificating out into the air that, hey, when the queen dies, they may be able to have the plan of being part-time royals all along. Uh, The article that I read from Cosmopolitan, you know, this fashion gossip magazine, is that they would, they might be in some form of rotation where six months out of the year they're doing their royal work, six months out of the year they go back doing whatever it is privately that they do because that's their business. And it would be that rotation where they wouldn't be working all the time. So could this actually happen? There are a lot of factors, in my opinion, that need to be considered when making a statement such as this and really thinking about this. Could they come back to royal work? Possibly, if that door is still open to them. We need to remember that when they were having their discussions in 2019 and then officially leaving, there were, one, there was a lot of drama. The feud between William and Harry was really made apparent how severe that feud is we still don't necessarily know 
but we don't know what the agreement was come to other than they couldn't use their HRHs anymore. Harry had to return his official military titles and they were officially off royal payroll and in turn all the royal perks that came with it. They're still the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. They still have their earldom and their barondom and that's that. There are a lot of things that need to be taken into consideration with the idea of Harry and Meghan coming back into royal work. What do I mean by that? The media has made it very clear that they don't like them. We don't necessarily know concretely why they don't like them. They just don't. And you can very much see that in the disparity of reporting between other royals versus Harry and Meghan. I'm I'm not trying to force an opinion here. It's just it's just simply the truth. It doesn't take that much research to see that there's a disparity between how they're covered versus other royals. And for some reason, the media has this agenda with them, and as a result, they have very low approval ratings in the UK and things are hit and miss over here in America. The Oprah interview didn't help anything. This tell-all book that apparently Prince Harry's writing that was supposed to come out last year, but now it's coming out this year. Who, who knows there? That is something to be taken into consideration. Their podcasts and their other private, again, there's other projects that they're working on to take into consideration. Comments that Harry has made where he does his family doesn't feel safe. That this running, again, fluff piece that Megan's never returning to the UK. And so as you can see, in this very quick review of media titles, their PR battle is going to be uphill. And when I have scrolled on Royal Twitter and Royal Social Media, those that do live in the UK have made it abundantly clear that they don't really like them right now. And the approval ratings, especially as Prince Andrew's court case was coming to a close, showed that they're among the least liked royals in the UK. Another thing we have to consider is we don't know what's happening behind closed doors. We know that Prince Charles put out an olive branch when it came to this whole security debacle, and if it was accepted, we don't necessarily know. We do know that Harry did eventually begin his official judicial review of everything, and it didn't go very well from all the news articles that I was able to read and share on social media. It, it apparently didn't go well at all, and it might have made things slightly worse. So there's there's a lot to consider here. Being members of the royal family, being that Harry is still a chancellor of state, keeping in mind that when Charles assumes the throne, he will still be in the or just in the top five in the line of succession, period. William will officially be the heir apparent and will assume his duties there as Duke of Cornwall and as eventual Prince of Wales because that is a title that needs to have an investiture ceremony. It's not something that gets inherited uh, like traditional uh, British aristocratic titles. Prince George will then become the heir presumptive. And so that's one and two. Then Princess Charlotte will be three. Prince Louis will be four. And then Prince Harry will be five. He'll be in that top five line of succession in terms of adults. He is the second in line in terms of adult royals at that point. So there's a lot to think about. There's a lot to consider. Could they come back? Maybe. It depends on how that, uh, it depends on all that. But us as the public, there are still things that we just don't know about that. And 
Tom Quinn has made a very fair point. He, once the queen dies and the Charles assumes the throne, they, there could be renegotiations. The queen was is the type of person where it's all or nothing. And she takes service very seriously because she's dedicated her entire life to service to the crown and to the country. So I understand his point. And it's a very fair point. It's something that I've personally thought of uh, very frequently in terms of what the future for the royals look like. There'll be this vacuum once the queen dies in terms of patronages, work. With the, there'll, there'll be this you know cavern, so to speak, that'll need to be filled. And it would make sense if Harry and Meghan want to come back to royal work. That would be the most opportune time. But that's a story that really kind of hung with me because could it happen? Yes. There are so many extraneous factors that need to be taken into consideration about this, where yes, they could, but how would they handle it to be sure that they got the media and press back on their side and to begin to rebuild their relationship with the people? That's the big thing, because they need to get the people back on their side. But those are this royal catch-up and big discussion, where... Royal works resuming and dates for the tour, the Jubilee tour have been planned. The Queen's officially moved to Windsor, which as we all know here at the podcast is not a surprise. Not too much of a surprise, I should say. A new portrait of Princess Diana has been showcased and resurfaced and is in the Royal Collection now or is on loan to the Royal Collection. And there's running fluff pieces that haven't gone away about the idea of Prince Harry and Meghan returning to Royal work larger discussion i would really like everybody if they could partake on social media just let me know or dm me just i would like to know your thoughts and opinions on this and also about the idea of the podcast blog podcast website we love a good callback but there we have it i'm sorry about the delay in posting work was trying to completely break me but they didn't i was successful in rose above But there we have it, Royal News and Update. Tune in next week as we take a little bit of an adjacent turn to talk about Royal Television and the show Bridgerton for the next two weeks. And then on to some more serious subjects for the month of April. My sources for today's episode are Robert Jobson on Twitter, The Daily Mail, The Mirror, the official social media for the Royal Collection Trust and Historic Royal Palaces, the official social media for the Royal Family, for their announcements, of course, and CNN, in addition to the magazine Cosmopolitan. If you made it this far, thank you for stopping by the podcast today. I really appreciate it, and you're fantastic. If you would like to recommend topics for future episodes, or just let me know how I'm doing, you can drop me a line over at the official podcast Gmail, which is BritishRoyalFanPod at gmail.com. Additionally, you can head over to the official social media for the podcast, We have an official Twitter, at fanatic underscore royal, in addition to a Facebook page, the British Royal Fanatic Podcast. I engage with all of you as best I can, and post updates and repost articles about what's happening in real time within the royal family. If you feel so inclined and would like to donate to the podcast, I would greatly appreciate that. You can do it in either one of two ways. There's an official royal PayPal linked on the official Twitter page, or for monthly donations, there's a link on the official Anchor homepage. Head on over to wherever you're listening to rate, review, subscribe, and share. The more you do that, the more people can see the podcast and the family can continue to grow. Have a great rest of your week. Stay safe and stay healthy, and I will see you in the next one.